Hi, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Clavier Report, where we talk about law, policy, and politics. On this edition of the Clavier Report, we're at, on the eve of the trial of the officer that killed George Floyd. Now, before last year, 2020, we, no one knew from a large scale who George Floyd was. But George Floyd was a name that would create not just a movement, but also create change throughout society, not only in America, but across the globe. George Floyd met his end by the hands of a police officer in Minneapolis, Minnesota. After he was apprehended for a case of possible forgery at a convenience store, he was then taken into custody. But before taken into the actual jail, George Floyd laid on the ground with a police officer's foot on his neck. And the infamous words that we will, that have lived on and will continue to do so, of I can't breathe, became the mantra for criminal justice and systematic racism change throughout society. Now, if you saw that video like I did, that was one of the most disturbing acts of evil that anyone would ever see. You have a man that's begging for his life. You have a man who's on the ground, whose fluids, bodily fluids have gone haywire, and he's urinating on himself because he's not getting the oxygen that he needs. His soul is slipping away. He's passing from the temporal into the eternal, begging, asking for his mother. And then after he knew that he wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to make it, he said, I'm done. I'm out of here. And even after he wasn't moving, the foot or the knee on the neck of Derek Floyd, of George Floyd, by Derek Chauvin, stayed there for several more minutes. And then he was just cast away like he was nothing. Even thinking about it now, at the eve of the trial of Vordyer, where they are going to pick the jury, and then two weeks later start the trial itself. It, 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 to me, <laughs> I mean, I have emotions that are stoked by that image, just talking about it. But it's, it's a case, an opportunity that the world took to change society as we know it. But the case of George Floyd, unfortunately, in America, is not one that is a single case. It's not one that I would say just happens every now and then. But whether it's George Floyd in 2020, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, Ahmaud Aubrey, and many, many others, and Brown, these things have happened over the course of time, and they continue to happen, all the way back to Rodney King. But I want us to take a look very quickly at a short BBC report that outlines and tracks this as we look at the criminal justice system and bias against African-Americans. Take a look. Art. Protests, fury, anger, hurt spilling out across America and around the world. 
the cause, racism, police brutality, inequality. George Floyd was a 46-year-old father who was stopped by police in Minneapolis on the 25th of May, suspected of using fake money to pay for cigarettes. A white police officer was seen kneeling on Mr. Floyd's neck as he was pinned to the ground. He repeatedly cried, I can't breathe. He was held down for eight minutes and 46 seconds. After six minutes, he stopped moving. George Floyd's death has echoes of many others. Trayvon Martin was shot and killed by a man in Sanford, Florida, as he walked alone one evening. George Zimmerman was eventually charged but found not guilty. The acquittal led to public outrage and the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement. 18-year-old Michael Brown was fatally shot by police in Ferguson. Eric Garner was <coughs> choked by a police officer. His dying words were, I can't breathe. And there are more. America has a long, painful history of racism and segregation. Until the 60s, African-Americans were made to live separately from white people and didn't have the right to vote. Nowadays, policing in America varies from state to state. In North Carolina, it takes just 16 weeks to become a police officer, half the time it takes to become a licensed barber in the state. Racism and inadequate training in a country awash with guns are a toxic mix. But in America now, the fight for justice, liberty and equality has spread across the world and has become everyone's. So as you can see, and again, watching that video, just to me, it solicits emotions that are deep inside of me. And, and when we look at the historical side of it, we see that this just didn't ha this is not one case. This is something that happens over and over and over and over and over again. So what's the root of this? Why do we have the racial divide in our criminal justice system? I want us to take a look quickly at a poll that was printed and published in several uh, outlets. And for me, I, I got it from thehill.com, which is where I consume a lot of my information uh, regarding public policy. Also, C-SPAN, C-SPAN 1, 2, and 3, uh, where you can watch it, uh, things as they happen, both on Capitol Hill and the House and the Senate, the Supreme Court, and also policy studies. And again, I'm, I'm one that loves, as a professor, I love uh, conferences and symposiums. And I learned quite a bit because these are experts that have done the research and not media personalities that are saying things for a gotcha moment or something of that nature. But I want to take a look at this poll, because from the time of George Floyd's death, his murder, and I'm calling it a murder, 
because it was. We saw it. It was. It wasn't negligence. It was absolute murder. From the time of his murder, we see to now, which is 10 months, approximately 10 months before his trial, we see, according to this poll, that the number who think that George Floyd's death was a murder is down more than 20%. That's right. The, it states that the proportion of Americans who think that George Floyd's death in police custody is down more than 20%, according to this USA Today, Ipsos poll, right? And this poll, because, again, when you understand polling, you know, and analysis, you can make numbers say anything. But I want to make sure I give you the parameters of this poll. The, this poll, the survey, it 1,165 adults online between March 1st and 2nd. And it has a margin of error of 3.3%. But the margin of error, error is not really going to be an issue because the numbers that deviate are so large. So that's not going to be an issue. But more than 20%. Now, let's look at the divide. Let's, let's break it down by racial divide. Well, before I get there, 36% of those surveyed describe Flores' death as murder compared to 60% who said the same in June. So that 60 in June is down to 36 now. Think about that. What transpired between May 2020 and March 2021? What, what happened? What changed? The facts are still the same. We still see that Derek Chauvin did not take his foot off his neck. We still see the video shows what it shows. We still see the body camera what it shows. Then what actually changed? Let's take another look here. 17%, according to this poll, said that they didn't know how to describe it, compared to 4% and said the same thing last year. So 4% said, I don't know how to describe it. But 17 said that now we don't know how to describe it. What do you mean you don't know how to describe it? It was a man who was, who was uh, detained. He had handcuffs. He wasn't running anywhere. He wasn't being belligerent. He was just simply saying that he can't breathe. He's claustrophobic. So what you do is you call a Paddy wagon is what we used in the, the name back in the day. You call it a paddy wagon and you put him in a larger transporting vehicle. Seems easy enough. It wouldn't take no more than five or so minutes for it to get there. But that wasn't done. He laid on the ground. And he asked to lay on the ground and catch his breath. But by laying on the ground, lying on the ground, pressure was applied to stop his breathing and eventually kill him. Let's take a look a, a little deeper down at this survey. It then said that 8% said it was an accident as opposed to 3% in June. Let me see. An accident is negligence. I'm a licensed attorney. Um, I practiced uh, trial law and injury, uh, tort injuries and tort claims. And I understand what negligence is and I understand what an accident is. That was not negligence. That was not an accident. I'm telling you that right now. The officer knew exactly what he was doing. He received warning, okay? He also saw evidence of his actions causing injury and harm, and he ignored all those warnings and continued on. Even the warnings of his officers, because he was a sergeant, so he had others who were below him. Even the suggestions of them. Now, I don't know what the manual says in that jurisdiction, but we'll, but I, it, it simply can't say keep your foot on his neck, right? But again, 
This is not an accident. It's not negligence. It was intentional. Let's take a closer look at this. Now, with this survey, it says, this article, it comes down to the trial of murder and manslaughter charges, right? Now, I want us, I'm, we're going to take a look and compare and contrast the Rodney King beating and trial and the George Floyd killing and upcoming trial. I want to warn you that there is a possibility that Derek Chauvin will not be convicted of the greater crime of murder or manslaughter. There is a possibility. But the George Floyd bill, House bill, for police and reform is sought to change that. But it's too late for George Floyd. We'll delve more into the policy in a moment. But I want to get to the divide here, the racial divide in this poll. In this poll, this poll found that more, more Black Americans, 64%, view Floyd's death as murder than white Americans. My question is, duh. But my other question is, what about the other 36% African Americans or Black Americans? But only 28% of white Americans said that his death was a murder. That's less than one-third of white Americans, according to the survey. We all saw the same video. We all saw the same leaked body cam video. We all heard what he said, George Floyd said. We all saw in the trial that, well, not the trial yet, but we all saw that what transpired afterwards. He couldn't breathe. It was intentional. Now, let's take a closer look at, at, at this divide even more. 33% of white Americans describe the incident again as negligence on a police officer's behalf, okay? On a, compared to 16% of black Americans. Again, I question <laughs> anyone that's caused that an accident. But 60% of those who have heard about the trial said that they hope he is convicted, including 54% of white Americans and 76% of black Americans. I mean, again, I question all these people, but that say he should not be convicted. But at the same time, you do have your opinion. This is America. But what I'm saying is that when we take a look at the video, when we take a look at what transpired, how can you come to any other conclusion? Now, to the, the degree of what type of death, I mean, what type of charge he should be convicted of, that's one thing I want us to understand, that it's a possibility. It may not be the greater or convicted at all. And it may be that he served enough time that he may get out for, quote unquote, time served. Which, by the way, he's out on bail right now. But let's take a look at what happened almost 30 years ago to the, uh, at this point. In California, there was a man named Rodney King who was pulled over for speeding. Speeding in, in that area, he was then pulled over. Four officers were caught on video beating him with batons over and over again with four other officers standing around beating him, beating him. And you know, we all know he got four, he was hit 40 times, 40 times. And the late uh, uh, great attorney that he had ended up prosecuting that trial. Well, actually taking that trial to, to court, not prosecuting him, but uh, taking that trial, defending him. And we see what happened. 
But unfortunately, we see where they were not convicted criminally. But of course, on the civil side, of course, they were found liable. But I want you to understand that this this thing called qualified immunity. And when you act under the color of law, uh, you can bring a uh, a suit uh, on a governmental actor, acting on the color, color of law, in this case, a police officer, it's called a 1983 claim. Uh, but what shields the officer from criminal charges is what we call qualified immunity. That's an extremely high standard that you have to prove that the officer actually did something wrong. And even when they did something wrong, it even shields them further. It's almost a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's it's the ultimate protection that anyone can have. But in the Rodney King case, you had video. I mean, there was... If, if, if anyone saw that video, you could not come to any other conclusion, but they were punishing him. Now, if he was erratic, the way they described him to be, if he was not cooperative, if he was, quote-unquote, they knew he was hyped up on drugs and so forth, quote, unquote, they knew. How can you know without a toxicology report? Then all you have to do is detain him. You could hog tie him. You had eight officers there, and they could have transported him in a police car or transported him in a, what we call now, again, like I said, a paddy wagon, a larger transport vehicle. But they hit him 40 times, 40 times, 40 times with a baton. That is a very hard wooden stick that is reinforced 40 times. And with all of that video information, with all of that, and by the way, the gentleman that caught that had just gotten that video camera for his birthday. And he was just trying it out. And it happened to just catch that beating. And they ended up meeting each other at a gas station, ironically, um, after everything was over. But after that, after seeing the video, there's no other conclusion you can come to that it was they were almost trying to kill him. But we all know he got off. The police officers got off. And we know now of the Rodney King or the LA riots that happened that they're calling it civil unrest. And we see what happened. And the country was split across racial lines, even then. Even to this day, I remember about 15 years ago, I heard someone say, I was, I was a colleague, and uh, we were working, actually, almost 20 years ago, actually. Actually, it was 20 years ago. Saying, you know, they, we were talking about various things, and they were talking around me, and uh, whatever you would say, yeah, Rodney King, if he only would have just stopped moving. And I'm saying to myself, how would you like to be hit 40 times with a baton and say, hey, I've stopped moving, stop hitting me? He was trying to get away. And you would do the same. But that sparked civil unrest. Now, fast forward 30 years, we have the murder of George Floyd. Now, just before that, we had Eric Garner, who was put in a chokehold. And he was saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And he continued to chokehold, the officer, and not just choked him out, but killed him. So he was limp, he wasn't moving. We all saw it. So now we have George Floyd in Minneapolis, who's detained, and there's a foot on his neck. And that foot 
on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Even after he had he had died, he had died about six minutes uh, into um, the, his, his officer, the former officer's knee into his neck. He cut off his windpipe. Urine, urine was running down the street. But still, he kept his foot on his neck. He had no life, but he kept his foot on his neck. That I'll talk about that foot on the neck toward the end because it means so much more than what it did at that moment. But during that time period, after we saw that video, another civil uprising and unrest started. And why it started, it not just started in Minneapolis, but it started across the country. It started across the world, and it continued to move under the mantra of I can't breathe, Black Lives Matter movement, started bringing, bringing to the forefront, again, systematic racism that Black people have been enduring, not just in America, but also across the world. A reckoning with systematic racism caused by the conquest of European colonialism, whether it be slavery, whether it be the caste system, whether it be laws and public policy that limit in the, uh, Black peoples in nations that are indigenous there or those that are brought there from achieving upward mobility, it's a reckoning with those oppressive policies. So now we have the impending trial that's coming. The impending trial itself is one that the Attorney General Keith Ellison who is a former U.S. congressman representing that area of Minneapolis, understands that it's going to be hard to prove. It's going to be hard to try because of the protectionisms that we uh, give to our public service workers, more specifically police officers. Keep in mind, no one is against police officers. No one's against doing away with police as good policy. You're going to have bad actors in society. But what we are against are bad actors that are not identified, given the opportunity to remediate and amend for their wrongs. Again, I believe that we all deserve a second chance. God gives us many chances. And by the same measure of grace uh, that you give is the same measure that you're going to receive. But an opportunity to identify bad actors, identify them, give them an opportunity to remediate and hold them accountable. And if it's so egregious, then, of course, hold them accountable to the highest level of the law. So we're not against police. We're not against good police officers. We're not against uh, priests. We're not against uh, anyone that serves and puts their lives on the line as a first responder. We're not against that. We're simply against the bad actors that are not held accountable. And there are policies that help to foster, continue to foster, that type of behavior without being checked. President Obama tried policing in America, 21st century. He put together a panel, put together the best and the brightest in the country. And it sits on the shelves of many individuals, probably in the trash can of some that don't want to change. We have this many stories out of even New York City, you know, where officers, uh, right now there's a lawsuit that was filed by Black officers that were told to continue chasing uh, and only arresting Black in 
brown people. Even if you see someone who's white, someone who's Asian, let them go. Only go after the black and the brown. So we continue to see the systematic racism in our systems without being held accountable. The time period between Rodney King and George Floyd are eerily similar. I mean, eerily similar. We see the divide, racial divide by the poll numbers. Again, you can go to theheal.com and see that. USA Today, Ipsos poll. You can also go to other uh, reporting news uh, outlets. That's, that's the one that I rely upon. And you'll see it. And understand that there's a perception that's there that exists. That's still a great divide, a, a great rift between our country, in our country, between our black and white citizens. And people who have different experiences, but see the exact same incident, but come to a different conclusion. What is my hope? My hope is that, of course, justice is done. But I can hope all I want. You can hope all you want. But we have to take action. One thing that has taken place in, the, in uh, Congress is a George Floyd bill, the policing bill itself. The policing bill is one that holds police accountable, addresses accountability measures by creating funds for independent investigations. Secondly, it also does away and limits qualified immunity in many cases. And finally, it also addresses these very hard issues as it relates to communities and police. This is something that's been needed. This is something that we've also tried. The question is, will we finally make the change? But change can only come if we are honest with ourselves as a nation and say that we fail some people. We fail the least of us and not least in the matter of humanity, but least in the matter of opportunities. And we have to correct that. But it takes the ability for people to look in the mirror and be honest with themselves. You have to be truly honest with yourself when dealing with these issues. But honesty takes courage. Because Courage means that there are obstacles in the way that you understand can limit you, that you understand can stop you, and you understand can even destroy you. But still, you have the courage to continue, knowing that the odds are against you. Ten months ago, a man by the name of George Floyd that nobody really knew, clearly not across the country and the world as we know him today, was stopped, detained, chastised, and then murdered. It was an incident that will forever live in the psyche of our country. It's an incident and a murder like Emmett Till. The country saw it, and they realized that they needed to change. Emmett Till was a long time ago. Many people are not alive when Emmett Till was murdered. But we're alive now when we saw the murder of George Floyd. 
We're alive now when we saw the civil unrest and uprisings that took place in Minneapolis, Minnesota, that took place across the U.S., that took place across the world. We're alive now when there are many that understand that the protections that police officers have when they are acting bad and anyone acting under the color of law are hard to overcome when holding someone accountable. We're alive now when there is a police reform bill bearing the name of George Floyd that will help us to start to chip away at protections that give bad actors, again, bad actors, a shield from any type of accountability. We're alive right now as we reckon with our systematic racism. The knee on the neck of George Floyd did not just represent his death, but it also represents the knees on the necks of our black and brown people who have been saying for decades and centuries, I can't breathe. We're alive now where we can say we can take the knee off of the necks of our people and finally have the opportunity to breathe. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Clavier Report, where we talk about law, policy, and politics. We'll see you next time.